One of my favorite deeper dives of 2023 was the one we did with Nurse Nikki on the new mastitis protocol. We got so many great questions and comments during the deeper dive from all those who attended live. Shout out to Naomi, who told us at the end that she was going to fix all her care plans right away. Same, Naomi. Use the link in the show notes to subscribe and have monthly live access to all of our deeper dives, as well as all of our recordings going all the way back to January of 2020. You don't want to miss out on this. And we can't wait to see you at the next deeper dive. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Good morning, Leah. Hey, Annie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. We got a cold snap this week in Houston, and it was literally 32 degrees this morning. What? I know, right? So I had to drive my kiddos to school because you can't send kids on a bus at 32 degrees. Yeah, because your buses like don't even have heating, right? Right. (laughs) It was... My sister laughed at me because she's like, literally my kids have stood on the bus stop, you know, and it's like negative three or something. She's like, Leah, freezing's not that bad to sit for the bus stop for five minutes, you know, but it was pretty funny. They, they were terrified. <laughs> it was 23 here, which yeah, we get those silly. temperatures, but that's more like January is I when know. it gets really cold. Seems like this cold snap blew through all of the states. So anyway, somewhere, someone that's listening to us is probably in a nice, warm, wonderful place on a beach, I hope. <laughs> I would love to think of somebody on a beach and I would love for that person to be me, but it's not. I'm here in my office recording the podcast with Leah. And before we get to the content of today's episode, which is listener questions, I just want to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by the Lactation Private Practice Essential Toolkit, and you can use code podcast for 10% off in the store. And that's a really nice discount. It gets updated all the time. I've got a lot of things in the works ready to add to the toolkit. And anyone who purchases, you get upgrades for life. You never pay anything anymore. So go to paperlesslactation.com slash toolkit and use code podcast and you will get 10% off. I've got to just give props to the toolkit. It's one of my favorite things that I have that I can refer to all the time. And the updates are amazing. I really love it. And it, it helps me stay on top of like what's new, what's come out, what's changed. I really appreciate all the hard work you do for that, Annie. So thank you. (laughs) Well, speaking of hard work, I know that we're always all working hard on our private practices. And so Leah, you have a marketing and motivation tip for us today. So tell us how you're going to motivate us this week. Yes. You know, when I'm thinking about marketing tips, I want to work in like more motivational, change the way you're thinking about things, thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start doing that because so much of marketing is putting yourself out there and, and thinking about what you're doing. And so sometimes just the motivation will help us as well. So my motivation tip today is 
probably one of my favorite motivation tips, which is progress over perfection. I think this is a real hang up for a lot of us because especially like in the social media world, just with life in general, you know, you get on social media, everybody's perfect, all their perfect pictures and their perfect lives and they're going all all these places and putting this amazing content out there. You just really, you start to really want to put content out there, but you might look at what's out there and you're like, oh, well, I don't know how to make a video as good as that, as that or I'm not sure if the meme that I want to make is going to be as catchy as that meme. And we might start a lot of comparison and then you're like, well, if I can't be perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. And that will keep you stuck where you're at forever and ever. Perfection is never going to be the end goal. It's progress. So put what you got out there and keep going. And isn't that like just what we tell the families that we work with? We're never trying to get them to reach some place where, you know, everything is going to be perfect all the time. It never is. But we tell them to celebrate anything, any progress, and to just keep moving forward. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And I think it's harder for us to accept that because as business owners, I think there's just so much pressure to like, well, especially when you look around and you see all the content around you and it's, there, there's just so much content out there now. And some people are doing amazing things, which is wonderful. And it makes you kind of feel small. Like, eh, you know, these people do this amazing, amazing work. Like what, how do I compare to that? But you do, your voice is special. It's different. And what will resonate with a family might be the exact way you explain something. And so definitely put yourself out there, even if you don't think you've got it perfect and you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll tweak along the way and, and it'll get better and better. So that's my motivation for today. Get yourself out there. Don't worry about being perfect. Just keep making progress. I love it. I love it. So speaking of making progress, we always love hearing from our listeners because you tell us great things about where you're at in private practice. You tell us, you know, all the awesome things that you're doing. You also tell us where you're struggling and what questions you have. And today we're going to answer or attempt to answer some listener questions and give some ideas to some of our listeners who gave us permission to share their questions on the air. So our first question for today is, I have been listening to a few episodes, but I am still so lost as to what the first step would be to take on my journey. I am up for a potential inpatient lactation position, but I know after listening to your show that I want to be in private practice out in the community eventually. I'm just so scared because I feel like I know nothing. I'm obviously more experienced in the first few days of life. So how do I build my practice and skills beyond that and still start practicing? How did you both start out? Do I just have to dive in after laying a foundation for my business as you talked about in your podcast? And you can find that in episode one. I'm going to get back on Facebook and try to find IBCLCs in my area to possibly shadow and mentor me. Oh my goodness. This is such a juicy question. There's so much in here. And the first thing I want to say is you're telling us that you know nothing. Uh, hello. Did you become an IBCLC? Did you just like <laughs> you <know> study <laughs> like crazy to us. do that? Yeah. Yes. So, Definitely. You, so what do you want to say to our listener? 
Yeah. First and foremost, I think it's awesome that you've already started thinking about some of the first steps that you would do. And those were some of the first things that I'd tell you to do. Like, I'm going to see if there's anyone around me that's in private practice that might be willing to mentor me or let me shadow them so I can learn more. I think that's awesome was going to reach out on Facebook to get more information, you know, really making sure that they're start setting up their business and getting things a good foundation laid down. I mean, you're already there thinking, so I know already, but you're not definitely not somebody who knows nothing. You are on the right track. And Annie and I definitely have a couple of additional tips that I think would be really helpful. So Annie, what would you say? What are the first things that you're thinking for this IBCLC? Well, your first instinct to try to find local IBCLCs that you can shadow is a perfect one. And honestly, you're never too far along in your career in private practice not to benefit from shadowing. I Last week, shadowed a respected colleague of mine on a home visit because I wanted to see her perspective on a really complicated situation that I was out of my depth on. And I loved it. And then we went out to lunch after. It was great. Ooh, I mean, because having, having lunch with other lactation consultants is the best. And you might need to compensate that person for their time, but that is going to be money well spent because when you're paying, you can also then pay additional time for answering questions, you know, to say, here's what I saw. Here's what you said. Can you tell me a little more about that? And I think any of us, you know, anyone who's open to having you come along is also going to be really interested in sharing with you their decision-making process. And I just find that so valuable. I've had people shadow me and I really like it because I feel like it keeps me sharp. Yep. I would agree. The other thing I was thinking of was if there is a breastfeeding support group in your area, because if you're really used to inpatient and only seeing, you know, first few days of life, you might not even really have a good grasp on what are, you know, families that are breastfeeding two-month-olds struggling with or what are some common challenges that we're seeing in that first month of life or at four months or at six months, which calls that you could definitely get a call about. And so not to go in and you know give your advice or anything, but just ask a breastfeeding support group if you could just come in and be a listener, just listen to you know some of the concerns from the families. And that would give you some places to go and build your skills. Like, okay, this family was talking about, you know, challenges with teething or, you know, different things like that, that you could go and do some research on and sharpen your skills with commonly asked questions. You know, I think that's a really great way to start somewhere with like, what do I even need to know to work with a four-month-old, you know? And so the thing with that is that you're going to end up in a consult where something comes up and you don't know the answer. That's totally going to happen. And when that happens, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I'm actually not sure about that. I would love to write that down and I'm going to look it up later. And I've even said to people, would you mind if I shared some of the, this information with my mentor and get a different perspective or with my colleague? And I've never had anybody say no. Yeah, they, absolutely. I've had the people, same thing. <laughs> they seem to appreciate that you're not coming in there as the, you know, expert with the magic wand, but that you're willing to admit where you have reached the end of your 
abilities or knowledge that you can summon up in that present moment. And as the more you do private practice, the more you're going to have at your fingertips. That just takes time. That's none of us on the very first consult. We're like, boom, boom, boom. I got this. Especially Mm -hmm. if you just like, if you recently took the exam and you're like, I know how many kilocalories are in an ounce of breast milk and... (laughs) but I don't know like X, Y, and Z about breastfeeding at three weeks. And now I'll tell you, I have a lot to say about three week olds and breastfeeding and cannot for the life of me tell you how many kilocalories are in an ounce of (laughs) breast milk. So I'm basically screwed when I have to take the exam again in 2021. I'll have to study. Uh, Yes, we will be studying. (laughs) There's a learning curve and, and you can do it. You learned what you needed to learn for the exam and you can learn on the go if you're willing to be open and transparent with your clients and establish those resources where you can reach out for more information. What else, Leah? I think trying to find a way to get more follow-up visits in, like you could do free or discounted follow-up visits because that's where a lot of learning happens because you're going to give this family a care plan and then check in in a week or so and really get a lot of feedback on how effective was your care plan, what worked, what didn't work. And I think this is how we really hone our skills. But if you don't see the family again, you might miss having that feedback on what was effective, what wasn't effective. So I think that's really important. Totally. And offering those in-person at a discount or even for free saying, you know, I'm going to give you a free follow-up and you don't have to advertise it. You don't have to put it on your website. Like I'm the, I'm the lactation consultant who does follow-ups for free. Cause that can really come back to harm you in the long run if you get known that way. But if you, when you're in the consult with the family and you say, you know what, I would really love to come back and see you guys again. I know it's hard to get insurance to actually reimburse for this. So let me just come back. I'm not going to charge you for the second visit. And, and then it becomes, they're invested in it too. You've given them something. And then I think you're going to get go really far with that family, building that trust where they're going to say, wow, she, you know, she cares enough about me that she actually wants to come back. And that's also great for building testimonials from happy families. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And sometimes you might be in a more rural area or, you know, you might not have that many LCs around you that you could shadow and getting even online help and mentors, you know, you might reach out to somebody that you respect online and find out if they'd be willing to mentor you it doesn't necessarily, it's best, I think, if it's in person because they can, you know, it's just everything's always easier in person. But even if you had something online, and then there's so many great resources online as well with the Facebook groups where people are sharing case studies, and then you're hearing, you know, maybe 30 different LCs give their feedback. I mean, that's an amazing way to learn as well. Yeah, one of my favorite online resources for super tough clinical situations is LactWorld. And you might not be aware that LactWorld is a nonprofit. And if you join LactWorld at their memberships are very, very inexpensive. We're talking $12 a year and all of that money goes to subsidize continuing education and also training for aspiring IBCLCs in uh, resource in communities that lack resources. So really with an international focus, but they're giving discounts on some continuing education. I know they've just launched a couple recently and they're going to ha- plan for more. So if you're a Lack World member, you can also get 
these continuing education opportunities. And so I would really recommend checking out that Facebook group, be willing to listen and learn in there. There's tons of incredibly smart people in that group. Because honestly, continuing education, I think is, I think Leah, you would probably agree with me that can you ever get enough no, never. <laughs> I, and I also have an addiction. But I do think that this world of lactation is constantly changing. We're constantly getting new information, new perspectives. The more and more IBCLCs we have out there that are getting to see things from different perspectives because they have maybe different backgrounds and training, I think that's pulling in so much more just growth in our field. And you've got to stay on top of that. I mean, it's just an essential of you, especially if you're in private practice, you've got to pursue that on your own, which means that you're responsible for learning those new things that are coming out and kind of staying on top of that. And there's so many wonderful resources, so many great continuing education, and not just about the day, you know, the first week of life. There's just the whole spectrum of lactation you can get great continuing education on. So I think that's a call for all of us, even that newbie, and not just the newbie, but even all of us that have been in it a while can continue our education. I'm going to take just a minute to tell you about Kathy's upcoming course. It is called Understanding Infant Reflux and Related Conditions in Lactation Practice. Early bird pricing is open now through May 16th, and which is the day May 16th when all of the course content is going to open. We've got six hours of recorded videos plus an additional two SERPs. So that's eight L SERPs total for self-study work that Kathy is going to be grading and reviewing and giving you feedback on. So Kathy, you put your heart and soul into this course. I know all of the research that you did. What is one of the things that you're most excited about teaching learners in this course? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't pay any attention to occult blood in the stool. I've actually had a couple of moms on elimination diet because of a positive occult blood test in perfectly happy, healthy babies. And this makes really no sense at all. But that's one of the little take-home messages. There are many. It's filled with nuggets and gems like that. Every second of this training is going to give you things that you're going to be able to use in your private practice. So definitely sign up for that. You'll have once you're in, you're going to have all the way until May of next year to get through this content because it's stuff that you're going to want to watch and rewatch again. So we're so excited that Kathy put this course together for us. Well, I hope we've given you some good ideas for, you know, making the plunge and following your private practice dreams. And can you just let us know how things are going with you? You can send us an email at hello at lactationbusinesscoaching.com. We would love to hear a follow-up. 
So Leah, what is the next question? Okay. So teaching strategies. I always put my class to sleep. I need ideas, help, and ways to be engaging to my classes. I've taught classes to parents, nannies, businesses, and healthcare providers on many different subjects. The information is interesting because breastfeeding is incredible, but I need better teaching skills. Help. I don't know if I'm the best person to help you with this question because I, in another lifetime, taught college students. And let me tell you, there is nobody that can sleep during a class like a college student. Oh, for sure. So Uh, I don't know. You've seen plenty of eyes just roll back in their heads and pass out, I'm sure. (laughs) Completely. I mean, I think that is... Definitely when you're a teacher, you also have to be part entertainer and put on a bit of a song and dance show. Oh my gosh, that is so much the truth. So much the truth. So I do a lot of teaching and I definitely had a couple of things that came to mind right away. I know we can completely nerd out on breastfeeding and like how amazing breast milk is and how the biology and physiology and all of that can be. But a lot of times I think that's where we lose our families is because we're getting a bit too technical, a bit too sciencey. And they're like, I just want to know, like, how in the heck is this kid going to suck on my nipple and that be okay? You know, like, that's all I care about. And um, they're just trying to wrap their head around, like, how does this actually work? And I, so I think it's great to throw in, like, some fun facts and quick little, you know, tidbits about some interesting facts about breastfeeding that might be motivational, but I do think you have to be careful not to get too technical. And and I've seen that happen before where I find that if I'm getting too deep in some, some technical areas that I'm like losing the crowd, you know, and then you're like, let me do a song and dance for you and, and get you back online with me. So that would be one of my, my first things. I think it's important to, you know, break down who your audience is. And so you had mentioned that you're teaching classes to parents, to nannies or caregivers, to businesses and to healthcare providers. And those audiences are all going to have really different needs and goals. And so, for example, parents, like Leah was saying, they just want to know that it's going to be okay and that they're not going to like ruin everything. And so a lot of times, you know, those kind of classes are about, you know, you can be really engaging in terms of getting them to participate talking with each other, building some community in the room where people can realize, oh, I'm not alone with my question. I'm not not the only one experiencing this versus I'm going to be receiving information from someone up front. I mean, I, I read this great comparison about effective speakers who talked about the difference between the sage on the stage and the guide on the side. And that when you're talking with parents, you're the guide on the side. You're like, I'm here with you. I'm not up here delivering you information that you have to receive and then you have to do it and you're on your own and that there's a way to do it right and there's a way to do it wrong, which means you're probably going to do it wrong, which is how we all kind of hear that stuff when it's up to us. So really showing people what they're able to do, that starts with getting them talking about what they're worried about and what they're concerned about. Whereas when you're talking with healthcare providers, they want to see the evidence. They want to know how is this backed up? Is Does this actually make sense? How can I implement this with my patients, with the limitations that I have? Businesses are going to want to know the bottom line. 
right? Why, <laughs> why on earth should I let anybody take time off from work to go pump? You know, what is the research that shows that this is something that's actually going to be beneficial to my organization, which the research is actually quite good on that. And then with nannies, you know, there's, that's often a class where you're probably having, these are people that really care about building more skills with feeding babies. And so by empowering them, by really speaking into, here's how you're already great with babies. And here's how you can become even better at something that you're already good at. That really speaks, helps them. So having them talk about what they love about taking care of babies, what's yeah. their favorite thing about, about the work that they do, what's, what draws them to it. And that can really help people when they feel like I'm part of this class and that it's going to have value to me specifically and personally, that's when they're going to be paying attention. Absolutely. I love all those points. Those are so, so important. And I love just the focus on thinking about your audience and where they're coming from. And I have done that a lot with the different groups that I work work with as well. So I think that's a great tip. I like to use a lot of visuals. I think people are just so driven by what we see now. I mean, even more than any other time because we have something new and exciting in front of our face all the time on our phones and on our computers. And I think we're more visually driven and people want those visual engagements. So if you have some kind of you know PowerPoint presentation, you're going to want to be thinking about, you don't want to just throw a bunch of words up there, but actually have some good visuals to tie in the things that you're saying. So you, that that really can keep people engaged in what you're talking about. You don't want to have too many words just so that they'll read the slide. And then they're kind of tuning you out because they're just taking that in and then they drift off to sleep because reading puts you to sleep. <laughs> so I think that's really important. And then the other thing I wanted to share was just like hands-on activities keep people really engaged. So get them moving, get them doing things throughout the visit. I mean, not the visit, the class, excuse me. And I love like having enough dolls and breasts for everyone to hang on to them for the whole class is my favorite. If I have too big of a class, I run out and we have to share, but I really like to have, and you'll see throughout the class, they're holding on to the baby and, you know, kind of messing with the baby. And then they'll, they'll kind of fiddle with the boob and look at it and everything. And then I can engage them throughout the time, like just different skills that we're teaching from latching to burping to all the different things that they can be doing, massage and hand expression. And they have it right there. And I, that's been really helpful in my classes as well. I believe it. I mean, we know how important modeling is for acquiring information and for building those new connections in our brains. And so seeing even being shown, here's how it feels on my body, but also I'm looking across at someone else in this class yes. and I'm seeing how they're holding this pretend baby. And those that mirror those connections, those mirror neurons are firing away and building those, those pathways. I remember in the breastfeeding class that I took when I was pregnant with my older daughter, they had us the teacher, Leanne O'Connor, had us hold babies and I was holding mine. I'd been a babysitter for since I was 12 for like more than half my life. And I held the baby like you hold a baby. And she just came over. She's right. like, no, no, like this. And she turned the baby belly to belly. And I was like, Aww. oh, oh. Ooh, and I yeah. never forgot that moment. And I think about that when I'm teaching it to Aww. clients and consults. I just remember that that aha moment. Like I'll never forget that I didn't know that was how you held a baby. Right. That is so, it's so crazy how little moments like that stick with us, you know? 
it's really powerful when we tie in those emotions with the learning and the hands-on and the mirror neurons, you know, it just really, really helps with teaching. So I hope those were some good, good tips on keeping your classes awake. And we'd love to hear more because I know there are some amazing IBCLCs out there that listen to our podcast that are amazing teachers and have great, great ideas. One of the things, you know, we're always saying like, I need people to create this. One of the things I'm like, people need to create like how to teach lactation, but also then to have class like pre-prepared classes that people could go out and teach. I just think that's such a ooh, good idea. Ooh, I know, right? Ooh, ooh hello. Okay. I want that too. Okay, done. <laughs> Sign me up. Here's my credit card. <laughs> right. So I our like... last question is also highly charged with emotions around learning new things. So our listener wants to know, how on earth does anyone transition to a new EHR? I'm so swamped. I can't even think of the steps to make it easiest to switch. Ugh. Yeah. I'm right there with that person. (laughs) Yeah. You're trying to transition to a new new platform right now. And how's that been going for you? Swamped. I'm sitting in a swamp basically uh, with this listener. (laughs) It's definitely overwhelming. You know, I think the hardest thing is just your processes are all going to change. And so you have to really think about okay, here are the steps we used to take to, you know, schedule a visit, get the, the forms out. I mean, there's just so much like change in the processes. And then we have to like, think through how will the new process go so that way we're not like driving blind. And that's just been an interesting journey. You know, we have like, we gave ourselves a deadline. So we're getting on the squeeze here and trying to make the last tweaks and last like processes. And I know so much of it will be working it out as you go. You know, you get, you get as much as you can with the kinks worked out, the big ones, and then the little ones will have to come as you start working through it. But you, Annie, are the expert on this. So I know you've changed platforms because because you test them all the time. And I know you've changed platforms like a thousand times. So tell me your secret and ways. Let me let us know. <laughs> I have changed platforms. I've also worked with a lot of people helping them change platforms and transition to new charting platforms. So EHR stands for electronic health records. So these are the systems that you're using to work with your clients' records. So appointment scheduling, intake, charting, and reporting and secure messaging are all what's handled in these platforms. And either when people are going from never having used an EHR platform to using one, that learning curve, it's hard, but I'm telling you, it is so hard to move from one that you're already using to another one. And that can be for you know many different reasons. Sometimes it's pricing, sometimes it's about features. And if you're happy with your, your platform, just stick with it because there is no perfect platform is, is the main thing that I've learned while doing this. But right. in my own practice, I for the ones, the platforms that I recommend to people, I've actually used them with my own clients for a period of time. So long enough where I can actually get a feel for the workflow and how it's, it is for my clients, how it is for me, make tweaks and adjustments. And that transition makes me stupid every time. So my (laughs) consults go twice as long. I am charting at home because I can't get anything done during the visit because I don't know where anything is. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm often overlapping. So I'm 
I'm phasing out clients on one platform while ramping up clients in a new platform. So at one point, this is crazy. I was, I had clients on three different platforms at one point last summer. And I was like, who who are you? Where am I? When am I? I don't even understand. And so I really relate to that feeling. And, And the big tips that I have that I tell people, which is you need to be gentle with yourself about this. And just like with your, you know, motivation at the beginning, you're not going to have it right. As soon as you launch, you're going to find stuff that is, you want to change as you work through the process and that's fine. And a great tip that I have for people for getting used to a new platform is to start out by running the appointment scheduling and the intake through the platform, because that's easy. Like you make your intake forms the way you want them to look. The client fills them out. You know, they're not having the kind of, they're just filling out a form. It's easy. Right. For them. And they've never like worked on this platform before. So it's new exactly. to them no matter what. Exactly. Big deal. Yeah. That makes sense. So you get the information that you want Then I recommend printing out the intake So you have a paper copy in your hand. And then I also recommend either printing out, either just charting on the intake form with pen or printing out your charting templates. A lot of the platforms let you do that. Get a paper version, a PDF export of your charting template and charting on paper, then go home and input that into the EHR platform. So that is going to take like 80 times as long as charting a visit during the visit, but that is how you learn because then you're going to become familiar with where everything is and how the the workflow takes place and happens and then be able to make those changes that you want. So, and to expect that it's going to be slow for your first few clients, but you'll get there and just build in some extra time for charting outside the visit. I think that's so important because I was actually thinking of that myself. I'm like, I'm going to have to not have back-to-back-to-back clients as we transition. I'm going to need to give a little wiggle room. And I love the idea of printing it out because I also was thinking that, you know, as the client's giving you maybe some information or something and you can't find where it is, it's so hard to like fumble around a computer. But if anything, you could in the margin just like start scribbling down whatever and then find where it goes later if you need to, which is you can't really do that when you're on a computer in the charting platform. There is no scribble box, you know? So... I think that's a great way to really learn where everything is placed too. Because once you start writing it down, you're like, okay, that actually goes over here and that kind of thing. So I love that tip. I actually am going to use that for sure. When we start our big move, we're like right on the cusp of it. And I love the idea of like, don't be too hard on yourself because I'm, I'm definitely worried about that. You know, I have another tip about that too, is because you did call it a big transition and Sure, but also kind of no. It's just a computer. It's just where your clients live. And sometimes the more of a, I mean, it all depends on what gets you motivated and gets you actually moving to make the change. But sometimes giving yourself an arbitrary launch deadline of like, I'm going to launch by the first of the month. And if I'm not ready, because that gives you a lot of pressure to say, well, I have to be ready. Mm-hmm. They have to be perfect because <laughs> as of this day, we're using this platform. But that is not true. As of that day, you're using two platforms until your clients who are in the old platform are done seeing you for visits. Right. So, so no the, matter which could what. Be, 
weeks or months. I mean, that's why right. I ended up having the three clients in one platforms. Cause I had somebody who was like, the baby was like five months old and she wanted oh, me to no. come back. And so, you know, I had to go back to the old platform. And so it can be more helpful to say, to get things where you feel like, okay, I've done all the customizations that I want. I feel pretty comfortable with where things are. And the next client is going to be on the new platform. Yeah. And to then Makes say, sense. okay, and now the one after that, or to say, we're going to start all of our new clients on the new platform and just start opening up some appointment slots on the online scheduler and see yeah. what happens and be, you know, be comfortable with yourself that it doesn't have to be, you're not really making a switch. Very few people that I work with are migrating old plat old clients into the new platform. Mm -hmm. That certainly can be done. I don't recommend it because that's a lot of extra work. There are reasons why you might want to do it, but I think if you know what those reasons are, then you're the one who should do it. And if you're like, I can't think of why you would do that, then you're not meant to do it. Don't yeah. do it. Um, yeah. It doesn't make sense in our type of practice because we usually don't see people for years and years and years where we need to be able to chart on them continuously. It does make sense to, you know, maybe make sure you have everything in the old platform secure and saved and all of that, but then be able to just move on. One of the questions I had for you, Annie, and thinking about this for ourselves was about scheduling. So if you are on, say, an old scheduling platform, we'll just use Acuity, for example, and maybe the new EHR has their own like embedded platform. What have you seen people do for that that part of the transition? Because I just am trying to put my head around like, well, how do you do that with your website and everything? Yeah. So I'm actually going to give that to you as our tech tip for the episode Ooh, because good there, idea. <laughs> there is a workflow way to prevent double booking when you might be running two different calendars. Okay. So in this scenario that you're describing, you might have your old clients who have a link. They have a link to your acuity calendar. It might be in a follow-up email that you're sending, or you know, they they're just in that platform. They're in that system. Your new clients are all going to be in your new platform. Let's say it's Intake Q, for example. I'm picking on Acuity and Intake Q because they were recent sponsors of the episode, but Practice Better has an online scheduler. Milk Notes has an online scheduler. So, you know, it's also all sponsors. We love you all. Thank you. <laughs> and so what you would do is you really need to have a repository where your calendars can talk to each other. And so you mm -hmm. want that to be, if you're in the US, you need that to be HIPAA compliant. And so either G Suite or Office 365 offer HIPAA compliant calendars where you can then have your Acuity calendar push and pull data from that G Suite calendar. The Intake Queue calendar can push and pull data from the G Suite calendar. Actually, Intake Queue only integrates with G Suite. So we're going to use G Suite, not Office 365. Sorry. Microsoft, don't mean to <laughs> cause you any harm, take business away from you. So with G Suite, that, that means that your new clients coming to your visit are going to be able to schedule through the new scheduler. But any appointments that you are making in Acuity for your old clients are going to block time. Yes. But they have to pass through that G Suite calendar right. in order for that time blocking to happen. And that can also then mean that when you go on vacation, you're not putting that vacation into your 
charting platform calendar. You're actually putting it into your G Suite calendar mm. where it can tell any calendar that needs to know I am on vacation, <laughs> right? that you are on vacation. So that is what I would recommend doing. And for your old clients, I would wager that if they're anything like my clients, they're actually not coming to my website to book follow-up visits. They're texting me and saying, can you come back? Or I've made the follow-up appointment with them during the consult. Yeah. So, and I'm actually racking my brain to think of, I maybe have had like two clients since I've been using online scheduling, which is now like several years that I've been doing online scheduling. Maybe two people who like surprised me by booking a follow-up visit through my website without oh, talking yeah. to me first, like twice. Yeah. They're all asking me, when are you available? And so then that kind of negates the whole, like they're going to go to the, my website and not understand what they see. And then I can go into, so say I'm, I'm new clients are in intake queue, old clients are in acuity from that recurring client. I just go back to my intake queue calendar, which will show me because of this G suite pass through mm. where I'm blocked from acuity. I right. won't be able to schedule them there. And then I can schedule them in Acuity. Acuity is going to pass through G Suite and tell Intake Queue that I'm not available now for any new clients coming through Intake Queue. Gotcha. That's perfect. So, so perfect. Think, so the tech tip would be really think of G Suite cal- the G Suite calendar as a pass-through mm-hmm. that prevents double booking. Awesome. That is a great tip. Thank you so much. You helped me specifically. (laughs) I think that is awesome. And I'm so happy that I have that information. And I'm sure there are many, many people out there that are like having their minds blown as well. Like, oh, it's not as hard as we thought it was going to be. I just foresaw like a lot of juggling and screaming at computers, but no, no, we're not. We're just going to thank G Suite and move on. (laughs) Yep. We really are. Awesome. This was so fun as always. And, I know. Um, I, I love listener questions so much. Me too. So keep them coming and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Did you know that for just $15 a month, you can join our live deeper dives and also get all of our recordings back through January of 2020? Sign up today and be part of the conversation. The magic happens when you show up.